Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. Today I'll be doing a review of Capone, the Josh Trank written and directed vehicle, which does star Tom Hardy and focuses on Al Capone in the last year of his life. A film that I have been anticipating for quite some time. It was originally called Fonzo uh, when it was first announced back in, I think it was 2016, which was a fair time ago now, but the reason that this film has taken so long to get made was because Josh Trank was really ostracised from Hollywood after his experience on the set of Fantastic Four, or Fant Four Stick as it's become known. Um, The film itself was a huge box office disaster, and Trank was public about his displeasure with the way that the film turned out, and did blame the studio system for, I guess, the way that this film all came together. And it did really affect his uh, credibility in Hollywood there for a while. He came out of the gate so strong with Chronicle, which is a film I love. I own it on Blu-ray. I think it's a really fun found footage superhero film. It's nothing, you know, groundbreaking at all, but it was something different at the time. Have a look at the films that were released in that found footage genre back in 2012. There were a lot of different types of films that were coming out, but a lot of them were horror related and Chronicle comes out in 2012, and yeah, it was a huge surprise, a big breath of fresh air for a lot of people, myself included. So I've always appreciated what Josh Trank can offer as far as style goes. It was just the substance that was missing in a few of his films. Now, Chronicle was written by uh, John Landis' son, Max Landis, who went on to write films such as American Ultra, Victor Frankenstein, and now himself is ostracized in Hollywood for a few um uh, gross misconduct uh, allegations out. And I'm not a huge fan of Max Landis as it is because he's extremely egotistical and very arrogant and very up himself. And he's not really my cup of tea. But his pairing with Josh Trank back in that uh, 2012 film with Chronicle was quite, um, quite groundbreaking. And I think it definitely established Josh Trank as someone who everyone was to, you know, look out for. Uh, he initially was meant to direct that solo, um, a Star Wars story film, but because of the experience he had on uh, on the Fant Four Stick film with uh, Fox, he was sacked from Disney, which was a real shame because I would have liked to have seen what he could have done with that material. He's a bit more creative of a voice these days than what Ron Howard is. Ron Howard's a safe bet because you know that he can put together a pretty nifty film, but Josh Trank, I think, was a bit more of a risque kind of director and definitely someone who would have put his own spin and his own vibe into that film. And I think I probably would have liked it a bit more if Josh Trank was attached. But without further ado, that's the backstory of this film getting made. It was initially called Fonzo, as uh, Al Capone's name is Alfonso Capone. Um, and he is called Fonzo throughout. I think I would have liked if they kept that Fonzo title because it sort of distances yourself from that Capone character. And I'll get into a bit of that when I discuss the actual film and what I mean by that. But without further ado, let's get stuck into this review. So take it away, trailer. How about if our good friend Al, ladies and gentlemen? Do you know what the difference is between Adolf Hitler and Al Capone? Hitler's dead. Capone lives like a king in Florida. He has full-blown dementia. I have reason to believe that could all be an elaborate act. What's this about? We have information that your client may have tucked away a very large sum of money. I can drop the act now. You got goons walking around. 
Guys like you own this place, $10 million. Maybe I can get him to talk. He's gonna go on a rampage. We made a promise. Someday we was gonna make it big. The only thing that really matters is how man treats his family. So Capone, like I mentioned there, was written and directed by Josh Trank and stars Tom Hardy as our lead character, along with the supporting cast that includes Linda Cardellini, Matt Dillon, Kyle MacLachlan, Jack Loudon and Noel Fisher, and follows the 47-year-old Al Capone after 10 years in prison, who starts to suffer from the debilitating disease of dementia and comes to be haunted by his violent past. Now, like I said, this was a very different film and a film that has been criticised quite heavily. As I'm recording this, I think the Rotten Tomatoes score is around the 44%, but I do know that it's sitting currently at a 4.7 on IMDb. People don't like this movie. Now, I can understand why it hasn't really connected with a lot of people. If you watch that trailer that I just played then, you can really see that it, it was you know, trying to establish a, a bit more of a modern-day gangster flick than rather the story that we actually get. We get a really strange horror movie in a sense. We, we are inside um, Capone's mind during this film, and I think that's where a lot of the strengths lie. I really like the way that this film is told from the perspective of Al Capone. Normally when we have a film about dementia or about Alzheimer's or any debilitating mental condition, we normally see it from the offset of the people who are surrounding the person who is actually suffering from this debilitating disease. Now, showing it from the person who is actually going through it is a very interesting perspective and something I wasn't expecting. But it's something I appreciate because it's a very unique voice and something that's very different to what we have gotten before. I'm, I'm going to compare it to films such as Blue Jasmine, which is, uh, you know, it's about depression, of course. But it's told, I guess, from we can see it from Kate Blanchett's perspective as well, you know, going through depression and how that affects her. But it's more the people surrounding her. Still Alice is another one as well. Still Alice, of course, starring Julianne Moore, Alec Baldwin, um, that film was more, I guess, shot again and surrounded by the perspective of those around her. Sure, we do get some insight into Julianne Moore's life as well, but it's the way that it is told that it's very different. And I think that's why I liked Capone because we get to see it from his perspective. He knows something's wrong, but he doesn't know exactly what's wrong. So he has, you know, these horrific, horrific um, dreamlike sequences where he's trapped in his own mind. And there's a sequence, which was my favorite sequence of the film, where he, um, he he goes down to the basement of his house. He has this huge mansion in Florida, and it's just him and his wife there, but he is under the impression that there's kids there. He keeps seeing Matt Dillon's character, who is actually a figment of his imagination, someone who he has uh, killed in his past. We don't know exactly what happened. We get a bit of an insight from Matt Dillon later in the film um, when he talks to him in another vision, but we get this awesome sequence where it's him walking down into this basement and there's a huge party going on. It's so eerie and creepy. And it was honestly shot like a horror film. And I really did appreciate that. And I think it just showed Josh Trank's strengths as a director. He really does understand the visual 
style and substance of a story like this. And I really did appreciate that. And if you haven't noticed, I have already just jumped into the positives because I actually really enjoy this film. So we're going to get stuck into a bit more of that. But I just wanted to get some of these, you know, more intricate facts out of the way first to really get into what I did enjoy about this film. But I really did like that perspective. And I think that was a huge thing for me. And I think that's why it resonated with me as much as it does. I touched on this in my Relic review where you have such a debilitating disease like dementia in this case where it does affect those around you. And you can see Linda Cardellini's, um, I guess, her descent into frustration, anger, and we don't really focus a lot on it, but there's enough there that you can really understand where she's coming from too. But I really did like that Tom Hardy did a fantastic job at conveying, I guess, his confusion. He doesn't know what's going on. There's a sequence where... He thinks that someone is in his house and he's quite frightened. So he calls the cops and they ask him what his name is. And he do- he says, I don't know what my name is. I-, I don't know who I am. And he's like, he's rambling and he starts speaking in Italian as well. And you just don't know what's going on. And he doesn't know what's going on. And I think that's why it was so, so interesting to see that. Um, the film really does rest on Tom Hardy's shoulders. He does carry this entire production, um, of course, with John Tr- uh, Josh Trank's, you know, uh, direction as well. But... I really did like that Tom Hardy did something very strange with his performance. Now, re-watching that trailer, which is the first time I've seen it since I've actually seen the film, they don't show a lot of Tom Hardy in that trailer. We see a lot of, you know, glamour shots of him with a gun, him with a cigar in his mouth, looking all Al Capone-esque. Um, but we don't really hear a lot of his voice in that trailer. Now, I think the reason for that is that Tom Hardy's doing something very interesting with his voice. We get a couple of lines there at the end of that trailer, but he has this real croaky quality to it. Um, I have never heard Al Capone speak. I've never listened to any recordings of him speaking before, so I don't know exactly what his voice was like. But Tom Hardy is really channeling something interesting here. Now, he's very mesmerizing in this performance, but it's not something I don't know if I love it or if I don't like it. I, I'm very perplexed at it. I, I know he's giving something, he's giving it his all, but it's just whether or not it really works for me. For me, I feel like it does work because there's certain moments where I'm just so captivated with what's going on on screen and he has this great smoldering look about him during the film where he just looks cranky the whole time and I really did enjoy that. But it just when he speaks and the croaky quality to his voice, I couldn't tell if I loved it or if I hated it and it was just sort of, I kept going back and forth on it. But I think the film telling it through his perspective really does allow you to really just look at Tom Hardy as a performer. Now, we have a look at things that he's done in recent years. Um, Tom Hardy, of course, being on Taboo, which I adore. Uh, Peaky Blinders. Taboo Season 2, by the way, is coming out shortly, which I'm very excited about. Um, he was in Peaky Blinders briefly. Um, his work um, with Chris Nolan as well, with Inception, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Dunkirk. Um, he was, of course, played Max in the most recent Mad Max film, Mad Max Fury Road, which is one of my favourite films of all time now. Um, and, and just some of his other performances as well. Even... In Venom back in 2018, people were talking about they didn't know what he was doing with his performance there and he was so over the top. But he's so mesmerizing when he's on screen that even if he's giving a strange performance, you can still really, I guess, gravitate to what he's doing. And he does really ooze this, I don't know, this professionalism uh, when you see him on screen. It's very strange to, to talk about, but he's just so you know engaging and mesmerizing when he's on screen. You just can't help but look at Tom Hardy as a performer and just think, wow, you're fantastic. And 
I, I think people do like this performance, and I think if anyone's watching Components because of uh, Tom Hardy, they're not going to go, oh, I'm going to watch Josh Trank's latest film. No one cares about Josh Trank. I do. But, you know, moviegoers don't really care about Josh Trank. They look at this uh, film and they're like, oh, Tom Hardy's in it. I'm going to watch a Tom Hardy film. And I think he sort of has that draw at the moment. And a lot of the films he chooses to do are films that really rest on his shoulders. Like for him to take on Venom, a superhero project, it's really outside of his repertoire. Of course, he played Bane, but he's worked with Chris Nolan before. And Chris Nolan is a master of, of direction. I'm going to see Tenet uh, to, uh, on Saturday night, and I'm so excited. Um, but I'm really, yeah, I, I'm really just perplexed as to my exact thoughts on this performance. But like I said, he, he has done, you know, some interesting work in the past. But here, he really does feel like he's channeling something. And it's obviously a role that was very important to him. So I thought he did a really, really good job. Um, the supporting cast are also great. Lita Cardellini is great. And it's always a lot of fun seeing Matt Dillon. I love Matt Dillon. And I would have loved to have seen him a bit more in this film because he's so he's so cheeky. Every time you see him in a film, you just look at him and think he's just got this you know charisma about him. And he's just so entertaining to see. Um, I would have loved to have seen more of his character in um, uh, the second season of um, Wayward Pines. And of course, he's not in season two, but I, I love him. He's just so entertaining. Um, and Wayward Pines season one, if you haven't checked it out, is a very interesting uh, TV show. I'm a big fan of that. But, um, yeah, seeing a bit more Matt Dillon would have uh, been pretty good. It's good to see Jack Loudon get a bit more work too. And, of course, Jack Loudon um, worked with Tom Hardy on Dunkirk. He was the other fighter pilot. Um, so it was cool seeing them in this film. But Jack Loudon's character is really interesting here. He shows up in the third act. Um, it's a plot point that's um, introduced in the trailer where Al Capone has – there's $10 million missing, and that's pretty much the story of the film. There's $10 million missing. Al Capone doesn't know where it is. But the FBI want to know where it is, and they're like, where, where is this money? And they all think that it's a big ruse, you know, him suffering from dementia. They don't believe it. Um, so Jack Loudon um, is introduced in the third act, and he's like, I'm going to find this money. So he goes to inter interview him, and they're sitting down talking, and Al Capone's just suffered from a massive stroke. So he's he's recovering a bit, and Kyle McLaughlin, who is uh, posing as the doctor, um, the family's doctor, but he's obviously not. He's working for the FBI as well. Um, and he's getting him to draw things on the on a piece of paper, and he gets him to draw, um, you know, money. And he's like, "Where is it? Show me where it is. Draw it." Um, and that it was interesting, but it was a plot device that I would have liked to have been explored a bit more. If that's what the movie was going to be about, of course, it's about Al Capone suffering from dementia. But it would have been nice if that continuity at the end of the film was played through, you know, from the very beginning. I think I would have been able to connect with it a bit more. Um, and also, yeah, it would have just, you know, provided a bit more of a complete and whole narrative than what we actually got, which is a bit of a shame, but it's also something I can appreciate too. Uh, the idea of the film is quite clever as well. Like I said um, at the beginning, the, the idea essentially is what if the most violent mind on the planet was deteriorating, what would happen? It's similar to that idea in Logan uh, where Professor X's mind was, you know, deteriorating as well. He was also suffering from dementia in that film. And the idea behind that is what if the most dangerous mind, um, you know, what if the most dangerous mind was deteriorating and what would be the repercussions of that? And the idea here is what if the most violent mind was deteriorating? And we see some interesting sequences where Capone just loses it, picks up a gun, just starts shooting and things like that. It's, it's insane. Um, and it is based on a true story. I don't know how true, but those sequences are really fascinating. And you look at it and you just think, 
yeah, it's really interesting. And I, it reminded me a bit of what Tarantino was able to do with the um, the Manson family in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where, you know, the difference there was he made that a farce, where Josh Trank's not making this a farce at all, but he is sort of playing into, you know, the idea of seeing someone who's so notorious, like strip him bare and what is he? He's just a man. So I, I did enjoy what he was doing there. And it was something interesting, like, seeing someone so violent and someone so notorious shit themselves, like it's pretty pretty confronting and it's pretty disgusting as well, but it's something that is so associated with its disease and what actually happens to Capone too. So I found that interesting. I think I would have liked if they spent a bit more time maybe at the beginning of the film showing his release from prison just so we could actually see where he was at before you know this disease really hit. Um, and we could sort of understand a bit more. Now, this is specifically the last year of his life where he was living in Florida in that house. I would have liked to have seen maybe, you know, maybe a five-year period. You could have made it a bit longer as well. I would I would have no problem at all if this movie was another half an hour to 45 minutes longer. It would have been nice, I think, to see, you know, that effect in prison. I think that would have been really interesting and fascinating, but... Trank has gone specifically with this last year of his life in Florida to keep with that true story vibe as well, which is what actually happened. So I would have, yeah, I would have liked to have seen that maybe play out a bit differently. But at the same time, I'm I'm very grateful for what Trank was able to do. I like that he didn't succumb as well to the Hollywood pressure of making it this big bombastic action film. I guess back in 2013 when Gangster Squad came out and we were focusing on notorious gangster Mickey Cohen and his war with LAPD, I was so excited to see that film. Like, my anticipation was just through the roof. It looked stylish. It looked really interesting. I loved the cast. You had Ryan Gosling, Josh Brolin, Emma Stone. You had um, Sean Penn, of course. Happy birthday to Sean Penn, too, for yesterday, who just turned 60. Um you had this fantastic cast, uh, Anthony Mackie, Robert Patrick, uh, Michael Pena. It was such an awesome cast. And that film just, it doesn't work. And it's a real shame because it had the makings there of, you know, a potential classic in the genre, but we don't really get enough in that film to really, you know, th- these notorious gangster types, we don't really get enough of him there to really, um, Mickey Cohen, I mean, uh, like what Sean Penn does in that film is interesting as well. His performance is nowhere near as mesmerizing as what um, Tom Hardy does here. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that the pressure there to make this over stylish, uh, stylized film, but something aimed specifically to the masses, you're trying to sell a product here where Josh Trank feels like he's creating art. And I think that's the difference. Now, I'm a fan of Ruben Fleischer, don't get me wrong. I love Zombieland. I love Zombieland too. I'm Ruben Fleischer, director Gangster Squad, in case those who are listening are a bit confused on my tangent here. Um, but I really like Ruben Fleischer, but what he did with Gangster Squad, it just didn't work for me. It's a film I still re-watch, and I've watched it a few times now, but it's not something that is, um, I guess, as interesting as what Trank is doing here. Trank is trying to tell us a very specific story He's trying to do something really interesting, but what, I guess, in the hands of another director, it could be something, you know, it wouldn't play out as good as what this does. So that's the difference between the two. But I really do appreciate what Trank was doing here. I like that he stuck to his vision. This would have been a film that would have been extremely hard to make because I just see a lot of backlash and a lot of people thinking, oh, are we really doing this? I, I just don't think this really works. Um, But he stuck with his guns and he made an interesting film. It might not be for everyone, but I really did enjoy it. 
I do have a few uh, negatives with the film, though, and I think the first is the film's story. Like I said, I wish it focused a little bit more of Capone's time in prison. Seeing that debilitating disease affect him in an area like prison would have been really interesting, and seeing the atmospheric change there as well. But it's a very minor nitpick in a film that I actually had a lot of fun with. I don't know if fun's the right word because it is quite confronting in a lot of elements of the film, but at the same time it is also very interesting and something that I did appreciate. And like I said, I think this film may be on repeat viewing as well. I might find it a bit um, a bit different, a bit more interesting. Um, but yeah, it, it does have a really, really interesting quality to it. I also love the look of this film too, which I didn't mention. It was um, lensed by the magnificent um, Peter uh, Deming, who is behind... Twin Peaks, um, Mulholland Drive, working with David Lynch in a few films there that I mentioned. Um, but more recently, um, The Cabin in the Woods, which is another really good-looking film. Um, he did do The Love Guru, but, I mean, can we really hold him to that? Uh, you know, everyone has their off day. Maybe that was his. Uh, he's also worked with the um, with the uh, Hughes brothers as well on From Hell, which I watched recently um, in another really good-looking film. But this movie just does look really good, and I do really appreciate what he was able to do. Um, behind the camera, there's some really nice shot composition. That sequence I mentioned um, at the very beginning there of him walking down, seeing the party, then seeing there's a scene as well where he's climbing over all these dead bodies of people he's killed. Uh, there's a great sequence as well where he finds himself in the um, in a swamp area behind his mansion there, and there's a crocodile. It just all looks fantastic. It's a really good-looking film. Um, but, yeah, I really did enjoy this film, guys, and I would recommend you go and check it out, even if you're not sold on the premise. I think there's still something to get out of it. Even if you're a big Tom Hardy fan, just go and check it out because it is really interesting. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but it was definitely something I enjoyed. So my verdict, Capone was a pleasant surprise for me. It was nice seeing Josh Trank back directing again. Tom Hardy delivers an entertaining, albeit bizarre, performance. Um, but I'm going to give Capone a 7.5 out of 10. Not as high as you probably would have expected with, I guess, how I've been raving about the film. But I think there are some issues and I think I need to see it again before I really give you know a, a proper um, grade for the film. It's hard to sort of grade a film on its first viewing and I've had a bit of trouble with that recently. But Capone is something that's really interesting and I think there's a lot for people to get out of it. Whether or not you enjoy it, that's another question, but I did have a really good time watching this film. Again, I don't know if that's the right choice of words, but from a filmmaking uh, perspective, from a writing perspective, and from a, a performance perspective as well, I just found it to be very intriguing from start to finish, and there wasn't a, a moment in the film where I was bored. I was constantly engaged with what was going on in the film, and I think that's because we followed Tom Hardy so closely and he's so mesmerizing and such a good performer that you're just really invested in what he's doing on screen. So hats off to Tom Hardy and hats off to Josh Trank. And hopefully this will get Trank a bit more work in Hollywood and add a bit more validity to him because I think it's a bit unfair to hold him accountable solely for Fant Stick because that movie has script issues. That movie has many other issues that are under that surface. It's not just Josh Trank. I'm sure of it. Um, but that brings this episode to a close, guys. So thank you all for listening. I'll have more reviews coming for you shortly. I'm also going to do a review of Project Power, uh, the new Netflix film starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Jamie Foxx, which I'm excited to talk about as well. And like I mentioned before, I am going to see Tenet on Saturday night. So I will have a review of that one up as well. I'm super excited. It was my most anticipated film of the year. 
and it's actually getting a release in cinemas. Uh, I knew Christopher Nolan would not allow for this one to go straight to VOD, so I'm pretty excited to actually be able to see this one on a big screen as well. It's not on IMAX, I know, and it's not in 70mm engagements, which they are doing across New South Wales, so if you have a chance to see it in 70mm, definitely go and do it because it'll be like um, nothing you've ever seen before. It'll be so interesting, but... Yeah, look forward to those reviews coming out, guys, and I'll have more content coming at you very shortly. And until next time, guys, peace out.